welcome to the first episode of Black Feminist in Bookish, a recap from my monthly community feminist book club at Cafe Con Libros, a feminist bookstore in Brooklyn. I'm Kalima, the owner of Cafe Con Libros and your host. And with me today is Priya Veshin Payan. I got it. <laughs> nice to have you, Hi, Priya. Hi, nice to meet you. So as you all know, the person who chose the book is my co-host. So Priya and I will be talking about this book, Interpretive Maladies. Okay, so Priya, tell us who you are. I'm 23 years old. <laughs> um, I work as a paralegal at a public defender organization. Oh, nice. Do you um, mind sharing which one? Yeah, yeah. So I work at the Center for Appellate Litigation. Oh, nice. Um, so we do nice. all post-conviction work, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. basically trying to reduce people's prison sentences. Um, and like all of our clients mostly are in prison. Right. Um, so, yeah. So that's the work I do. Wow. Um, social justice oriented. So, yes, definitely. One could say that. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> um yeah. Are you originally from New York? I'm from New Jersey. Okay. Um, but I went to college in Boston and lived there for a year, but then couldn't stay away from New York. So Interesting. I'm back here. So does so this book definitely resonates with you, right? For sure. There's like yeah. a there's a whole um discussion in this book, but also in other places around like the huge South Asian com- population in New Jersey. And even my for best sure. friend, um, she lives in New Jersey. I think it's Edison, New Jersey. Yeah, and yeah. There's a lot of South Asians there. My, I call her my niece. Her daughter, um, one of her best friends, is South Asian. And I love that they have like this cross cultural relationship where they're learning about each other's culture. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And do you identify as a feminist? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what's your feminist coming of age story? How did you just become a feminist? It's a good question. I wish I had like a defining moment where I like I was like, yes, I'm a feminist, but. I remember having a moment in like elementary school when we were learning about Christopher Columbus mm-hmm. and being like outraged. I was a very like <laughs> outraged young kid and I was just like being outraged at that like someone could like do that. Like, you know, right. just like annihilate and like kill like all these indigenous right. folks. And so while that may not be like a, a feminist, you know, my feminist moment right. of discovering I'm a feminist, I think that was a moment where I was definitely thinking about people and started getting more interested in like social justice things yeah a like lot later. <laughs> really pivoting towards like this is like right versus wrong yeah like, at such a young age you knew that i think that like, i also had that kind of, i don't know if, i think that i was a feminist very early on because it so like there was such crazy machismo in my family that it was like it like in order for me to even survive i had to be on my own side so mm-hmm. i have to always like assert myself and like my value and my worth but I also do remember sitting and watching Martin Luther King Jr. and like the whole civil rights movement and like the the freedom bus rides Mm -hmm. and like really crying and being like all emotional about it and so I think like early on we are pivoting towards a certain type of way of being in the world some people will look at it and say like oh that's really messed up and keep it moving while the others like us we get impassioned and we get enraged and it kind of dictates everything that we do going forward you know for sure i think yeah. so at least yeah yeah <laughs> so you have a, fem- a favorite feminist book yeah i actually one of my favorite books is also a collection of short stories um but it's called the vanishing princess just like a collection of stories and a lot of commentary on women and i don't know family responsibilities and like i don't know body images and all this stuff. Do you think we um, should have it in the bookstore? I yeah, definitely. Yeah? I okay. I really I really enjoyed them. It's like easy to get through and just like very interesting. I remember there's this one story that's literally just about this woman who's like 
dreaming of the perfect like bathtub <laughs> and so she spends her whole life like saving up enough money so that she can construct the perfect bathroom and where she can like have this like luxurious bath mm-hmm. and not have to like deal I with any it. kind of pressure of like I don't know, responsibilities of being a woman like that sort of thing mm-hmm. um and yeah the story just like develops like that and that's definitely one story that like stood out to me oh i'm getting that book (laughs) princess all right so priya i wasn't at the last the the book club where this book was chosen um so please tell us why did you choose this book yeah so i think i remember we were having a conversation there were a bunch of different book titles that were floated Mm -hmm. and someone suggested interpreter maladies and then i was like oh wait yes that is a perfect book right um yeah i mean i I remember reading this book in high school when mm-hmm. I was wow. like interested. I was like, oh, I want to read more things by like South Asian authors yes. and like South Asian women. Um, and this book was super accessible right. and like easy to get through. And I definitely connected to it. Right. Um, so that's definitely why I was like, we should definitely read this book. Um, I am so happy. And I can I be completely honest. I was saying to myself, we, we for the last two years, we started off the, the book club with like sort of these um self-helpy kind of books you know things to improve your life quote quote unquote and so when i saw this i was like how do we end up reading this book i said how what was the reasoning behind this i said all right well i'm down for it and literally opened the book the first story i was like oh my gosh who chose this book (laughs) it's so good (laughs) so quick spoiler alert we will be discussing details of the book if you haven't read it and are planning to do so stop right here Go read the book and come back. We'll all be right here in your play feed. Um, but we are going to go deep into themes of the book. But first, I'm going to ask Priya if she'd like to give us a synopsis. Sure. Yeah. So this book is jam-packed. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of different short stories. Um, I don't know if I can remember every name, but a lot of the stories focus on, you know, second-gen immigrants, first-generation immigrants. Mm-hmm. I know two of the stories take place in India itself and definitely explore the role of caste and class in India. Yes. There are older perspectives and a lot of, it definitely takes a look at fractured relationships. Um, and yeah. Yes. So I think that one of the themes that came up, even in our pre-discussion of the podcast and also at the book club, is this whole idea of immigration and what you said, Priya, was otherness. I'm happy to start off, but I'm going to let you start off with your thoughts around like pre sort of um, immigration and otherness. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely thought about when I think about immigration, I think about the experience of like second generation immigrants, first generation immigrants um, and kind of being exotified for being foreign or different, um, mm-hmm. especially when you're not in your mother country. Mm-hmm. Um but then that other part of otherness, I think there's also another layer. And I think otherness is also definitely a loaded word. But in the story of like the treatment of Bibi Yaldar yes. and um, that other story that I'm blanking on the name of, um, how just how like caste and class plays Absolutely. a really mm-hmm. big role mm-hmm. in India and how, um, you know, different characters um, are just like face like different microaggressions, yes. either because of mental health and caste and class and um how that can have really like terrible consequences Mm -hmm. um and yeah so Priya just pardon me because I you know I'm still learning about Indian culture and Southeast Southeast culture um Asian cultures 
when you say caste, are you also talking about the sort of um, what we call here like good looking privilege? Because what I saw, what I felt was happening with in the case of BB Haldar is that she, that BB was not considered pretty. Not only was she she, she was poor and she had an, an illness, she had a physical illness that could have been treated with sort of medication and treatment, like different things. And but she was also deemed as to not be pretty. And mm-hmm. is that part of the caste system when when you talk about the caste system? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think images of beauty and who's beautiful is definitely a a product of caste divisions um especially in like colorism in india is a really big thing um but yeah i mean caste divisions definitely um refer to like the caste system in india and even though that's a really ancient system it still has a lot of repercussions even today Mm -hmm. um so i think and i think jumpa lahiri doesn't necessarily like go out and blatantly say like oh she's from a lower caste and, right um but right. i think that definitely is an undercurrent definitely ties into how some characters are called not pretty and mm-hmm. um are stigmatized and kind of derided in okay ways. yeah okay for me the the whole theme of immigration was resonating so powerfully and i spoke really honestly and openly about my own experience of what it means for folks to be immigrants to this country and see it from two different perspectives and two different generations. So thinking about when my parents first came to America, what their experience was and some of the stories that they told me, I, I'm like, that's insane. Like what was happening when y'all came to America? And then when my partner came to America and him facing the same kinds of anxieties, the same kind of kinds of like inability to sort of acclimate and really struggling to make sense of what, especially New York is, you know, as opposed Mm -hmm. to where he's from, a small sort of country town in Jamaica. And the ways in which me growing up here in America in and again in New York City and again in Brooklyn, I talked a lot about this at the the book club, that we're kind of sort of built to be dropped anywhere in the world on some levels, be able to survive or to even believe that we can survive, like have the the hoopers to believe that you drop me somewhere in Alaska, I'm going to survive, you know? Yeah. Because there's yeah. something about being born here in New York that gives us this thing that, like, if you, you can do it in New York, you can do it anywhere. If you make it here, you know, all this crazy stuff that I think we internalize. And I think that when he came here, I had that same expectation of him, like, well, just hop on a train or just hop on a bus or why are you walking so slow? But that's not how we do it here. And like, oh, and like making sort of character definitions or sort of making associations with how slow he's walking with parts of his character rather than saying like, this is a brand new experience for him. And he did not grow up in a fast paced place like Brooklyn, New York. He wasn't taking the train since he was in middle school. So all of these things, you know, that all these expectations I had of him were unrealistic and unfair on some levels. And I think that I've been thinking about it for quite a bit. However, this book really brought it front and center for me about the the immigrant experience in real time, especially around the story um, with Mrs. Sen when she didn't want to drive. And I was like, sis, you've got to learn how to drive in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just like, get up and drive. And like seeing it as like a, a feminist thing and a, 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 a sort of a moment of independence and and like really wanting her to do it without really appreciating. Like I had to go deep to really appreciate what her experience was of this whole idea, this whole phenomenon of driving, mm-hmm. you know? That's yeah. just not part of her reality, you yeah. know? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely resonate with that. I mean, my parents immigrated to the U.S. They always talk about their experiences, like mm-hmm. adjusting to the U.S. Yeah. And then my experience growing up as a second-gen immigrant, of course, is different. Right. But there's always, I don't know if you feel this, but yeah, there's definitely that feeling of feeling like you're caught between, you know, your mother country and where oh, yeah. you were actually born. I, oh, yeah. And slowly kind of coming to terms with being comfortable in that kind of limbo state. Yes. Um, so, And yeah. wanting to hold on to that past place. Yeah. While also, you know, having to be of the world where you currently are. Because the other thing that was resonating with me in terms of the immigrant experience is, with Miss Sen and um, with um, the third and final continent, the 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 when Mister Prezada came to dine, like there's these these traditions and these things that they hold on to, right? Like the ways in which they cut the vegetables and you know the the spices that they use, and like the fact that Mrs. Sen really loved fresh fish. And first of all, I didn't even know that that was part of the culture of India, right? And so really beginning to appreciate the ways in which when you come here to America, you miss, you miss the, th- the small things that make your life your life. Yeah. And yeah. again, like my partner will, listen, he will talk to your head off about Jamaica. And I would literally say, is there any other country in the world other than Jamaica and New York, which is a city like that you can talk about because I am tired of talking about this country. But the thing is, is that he is desperately missing his country. And the only thing that he can hold on to that makes him feel like he's still connected is the food, the music, his his accent, these small things that for me is like disposable on some level, not disposable, but I don't I don't think I appreciate it as much as he does, you know. And I and this book brought that again brought that front and center what his experience has been like and what my a little bit of impatience have been which is bad and definitely too with the, that story about Mr. Prasada yeah um yeah that makes me t- think too about when you like immigrate to a new country like you have to also like form a new community that yes. you didn't have before and I was thinking about how in India like you know, your extended family is all there. And, yes. you know, in many mm-hmm. cases, children continue to live with their parents even after they graduate college and mm-hmm. are working. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really isolating to move to a different country and not have that support system. Right. Um, right. I think about my parents who had to really form a new community. And um, luckily, it's, I think in our culture, it's like your family back home wants to help you find those connections right. too. So there right. you always kind of have that to lean on. But yeah. I was thinking about that too when I was reading yeah. the stories. Was it Mrs. Sen who received the letter in the mail about her sister having a baby and, you know, like all her feelings around that. But the story about Mr. Prasada, we didn't really get to talk about it at the book club. But the thing that was really interesting to me was, you know, it was at the time when India was in, at, was it at war with Pakistan? I think. I think so, yeah. Um, and how little the news was paying attention to what was happening in the other world. And the young lady in the story, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but the young lady in the story was, again, living in these two different places. Like, she's going to school, and all they're doing is talking about American history. While there are real things happening, prime time, that America is not talking about. And so mm-hmm. what is not relevant. Like, the, hi- the history that they're talking about, yes, it's important, but... This is actually happening right now. That is more important on some levels. And it was not being brought up in the ways in which, you know, immigrants come here and so much is happening in their own country that they're not a part of. And they actually have no access to it because it's not being covered here in America. And like how Mm -hmm. how upsetting that must be. And again, just going back to like Ryan and thinking about the ways in which 
things are happening in his country, you know, politics are happening. He has to go through so much to get the news. He has to listen to it through YouTube and this and that and that because it is not covered in our daily news. And it, it just, again, like exasperates the disconnect and the sense of loneliness and isolation, which is very sad. Mm-hmm. And so true. And I think I also think about even when the news does somehow manage to cover, you know, like <laughs> other co- countries other than the right. United States, like they also cover it in a really like biased way. Yeah. Um, obviously like a really westernized outlook and yeah. my parents always get really frustrated when they see articles about india with what's going on in india right now and they'll just be like yeah but like u.s news outlets just do not understand right. fundamentally don't understand india and then just right. write these articles that just don't you no, know they don't get the factor <laughs> yeah get it, for sure i get that <laughs> totally totally Another theme that resonated with folks in it was these very interesting relationships. One of my favorite stories was The Blessed House. Not because Twinkle was like the absolute boss. Like she was just like free spirited Mm -hmm. and open and just out there. I just really loved her personality. But also I, I liked it because it really does show like how complicated love or or how simple love could be, you know? Unfortunately, Pri, you weren't here for the book club, but in the book club, folks were talking about, oh, they balance each other out and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, listen, yeah, we always want to believe that opposites attract, <laughs> but there is something to being with somebody you're like-minded with, right? Because like, yeah. it's not going to always be this tension, you know, between the two people. But I really, really enjoyed fully that story and I wonder and I also sort of pushed back on myself and said that I wonder if I enjoyed that story because because um Twinkle was educated in in America she I think she went to Stanford and so she's coming to this marriage in a very from a very different place that if she was coming from India itself right and so is that my own bias that's showing up like she gets to be free because she mm. knows a different type of freedom because she was educated here than than um, the other women in the story. What do mm. you think? I don't know if you thought about it from that perspective. Yeah, it's it's definitely, it's tricky. Um, yeah, I mean, their relationship is very interesting. I think at first when I was reading it, I was just like, these people are so incompatible. Like, they're just so <laughs> different. Um, but it was sweet to kind of see that moment in the story where he like sees her shoes outside the right. bathroom and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, like this, this is why I love her, right, <laughs> essentially. Right. I think there's a lot of baggage with whether, you know, you're educated in India or the U.S. And right. so it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think definitely Twinkle's personality is just like she's a free spirit. Right. And I think even though she's studying at Stanford, she could have just as easily been a very like introverted and True. rigid person the way True. that he is. So I think I think it's definitely just like her as a person it's okay just very out yeah. there that's true i'm gonna think about i'm gonna think about that um because i don't want to I, I don't want to attribute some of her freedom and like openness to just being educated at stanford although i know that you know they're more like the the trope the common trope here in america or the common story on sub levels here in america is that you can come from like the midwest or come from these incredibly isolated and insular communities and you come northeast and i don't want to pit like sort of geographical areas against each other but this is the story that i know from being in the classroom from teaching from interacting with folks where there are there are books that you would never read 
in middle America that you would definitely, like, it's just common that you read it, you know, mm-hmm. here in the Northeast. We're educated in a particular way that's that pivots you more towards liberation and, like, social justice and, like, pushing back than some places in different parts of America. And they mm-hmm. would probably posit the same thing because they have their own agenda that they feel like is the most liberating agenda. Like, you know, anti-choice, like, that to them is the most liberating um, sort of ideal idea or ideology um so i was wondering like yeah i think that some of us are like like we're born free-spirited but i also think and i also think that it's hard to be free-spirited in a world that says that you're not and in a culture that you you shouldn't be mm-hmm. and that there has to be something that makes you that way that allows you to be that way and gives you permission to be that way and i wondered if he struggled with her because she was so free-spirited. And he doesn't expect her to be yeah, that free-spirited, yeah. you know? He expects her to be something else that is more traditional, more conservative. And, you know, I wondered if that was part of it. Did did, did we have a thought about that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely... I remember, like, reading at some point in the story where he was he was just like, wow, like, why didn't I just find a woman who would have been, like, the, essentially, like, the good wife and right. would have, like cooked meals on time and, you know, d- done all the duties of a what, in his mind, a wife should be doing. But at the same time, I feel like he also secretly loved Twinkle for her, like, free-spiritedness. Mm-hmm. Like, it got in his nerves, but right. it was also kind of exciting for him mm-hmm. to be with someone mm-hmm. who does things on the spur and, you know, is able to, like, cook up this wonderful curry or this wonderful food without mm-hmm. really, like, following a recipe. Right. Um, so I feel like he also secretly kind of liked it, right? but didn't, but was kind of struggling with being like frustrated with her, right. but also a little pleased. Probably didn't know what it. to do with her. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's always what it is. They don't know what to do <laughs> with, with the folks. What about the story, a temporary matter, the first story with, um, the couple who lost their, lost their baby in birth and grew apart as a result of that and eventually separated so what? So we there was a whole discussion about like what does a temporary matter actually mean? Like, was it a, was this a temporary matter? Like the their marriage a temporary matter or the baby a temporary matter or like this separation a temporary matter? But also at the end, like it, at the the base of this whole story is like a traumatic event that was not aired, and that yeah. that temporary matter that just was not talked about, and it became more than a temporary matter on some yeah, level. So yeah. I, that that story, once I read that story, like the first couple of paragraphs in this, in this story, I was like, oh my gosh, this book is so great because it was just, the, the building up of it was so well done. I think that story for me really shows how like, I think Jhumpa Lahiri is really good at like capturing that tension and mm-hmm. things that are left unsaid or mm-hmm. aren't like vocalized between yep. people in a relationship. And so like setting it up so that there's like a power outage and then they like light the candles and that becomes a way for them to talk about things that they just haven't talked about. Right. It was so heartbreaking just as the story progressed, you kind of think like, oh, like they're becoming closer with each other. Me too. I thought they were going to get back together. And you're like, wow, this is like really like, heartwarming oh, and yeah. cute and I was then like, yes for the outage <laughs> and then it just completely goes yes. the other direction yes yes um and then you know the whole thing of how like he revealed like the gender of the baby right. when she didn't want to know and but yeah i think she does a really good job of building up that tension and then just like dropping like right. a little bomb <laughs> i just you know i was feeling so hopeful and i was saying to myself look how the universe works 
this will happen. It allows them to talk about things and blah, 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 blah. And then when the lights came back on, I was like, oh, no, the lights are back on. What's going to happen? And they decided to not. And so I thought they were going to move into this new ritual of just trying to rebuild. And it really, and so when it went the complete opposite way, I was like, oh, okay, girl, yeah. You know, like on some level, because I love the fact that she was independent. She was saving her own money. Like Mm -hmm. she was ready to go. Like she was thinking about this. She made a very conscious decision to say, I'm moving out. You can stay here. Mm -hmm. I'm out of here. You know, like I I thought that that was a very strong and empowered way for the story to go. And it made me reflect on the fact that I there was no point in my head or my imagination that this was in at the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of another beginning, but it really was like the beginning of the end. And I it completely caught me off guard. And I think one of the things that we talked about, like what you said, Priya, is this this thing of of traumas left unsaid. Mm-hmm. And this story and even the interpreter of Malady's story, there's two big things that happen in these marriages that because they have been essentially silent around it, now they've grown apart because of it. And how many really like how many relationships go through that? Like so many of our relationships go through this inability to communicate and be vulnerable and mm-hmm. like show up and be courageous in in these very difficult moments, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that yeah, it definitely makes me think of the interpreter maladies, the yes. first one. And how she like eventually reveals not to her husband, but <laughs> to the guy who's right. giving them the tour, like, oh yeah, like this child is not like kids right right. (laughs) so many layers in that moment too clearly they're from a higher class yes and like she's taking advantage of the fact that like she's never gonna see this guy again and but also just so sad because you're just like it's been left unsaid like it doesn't seem like she's ever gonna tell her husband and it obviously is like having an impact on their relationship right right. Um, definitely and so we talked about this like her revealing to the cab driver and i was like oh this is this is something I would do. And I think that a lot of people do it because it's really hard to hold on to those types of secrets. Mm-hmm. It will eat you up inside. And I think that that's what happened between the two, the first couple and what is happening with Mr. and Mrs. Das. They are be, she's literally being eaten up inside and can't actively and lovingly engage because she's living a lie. Yeah. And so and she's got a whole family living it too and she knows it. So she can't show this this affection or she can't be fully present like you know even with her daughter she's like standoffish mm-hmm. because she's she knows that she's living a lie every day is like right in front of her she's seeing her her whole life through lies you know and so um we were talking you know it was it's really we were talking in the book club about things left unsaid mm-hmm. and how it just will get you yeah it really really will get you <laughs> anything else that you want to talk about i want to talk about one more story because i absolutely loved it yeah definitely the treatment of bb Haldar. i thought it was interesting how it was like told from the perspective of the community yes the women in the community yeah so that was really interesting to see just how like this like main character has you know mental health issues Mm -hmm. and how she's not getting the assistance she needs wait does she have a mental health i thought she had epilepsy I think she had, was this the one where she had seizures or maybe? Yeah. That might have been the but other one. Do you think that she also had a mental health issue? I think maybe, and maybe this is me like, right? you know, jumping to conclusions. Um, But maybe she had seizures. Okay, she had seizures. Right, yeah. Um, 
But what, it wasn't interpreted as seizures. The, as seizures. They interpreted it as a mental health as a men- issue. Maybe that's how, right. yeah. Yeah, they talked. They, for a long time, they talked about it as a mental health issue. Like, she would go into these spells. And, blah, blah. and I was like, what? Is she psychotic? Is she schizophrenic? And then we get to, like, almost at the end of the story, or in the middle to the end of the story, and she has a full-blown seizure where people have to hold her on the ground. And, like, mm-hmm. she's not, like, to prevent her from swallowing her own tongue. And I was like... She has epilepsy. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. She has a treatable illness. What's what's all this fanfare? And then also, like, thinking about the the, the, the time context. Like, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if the, I, I don't know where the science around epilepsy, like, at what point it came into being and stuff like that. But I really felt like, oh, no, these folks are putting on her a mental illness, but it's not. It's a physical, physiological issue. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and just how, like, her cousin... I remember the whole part about how her cousin's wife was having a baby and, yep. like, forced her to live in the, like, storage room and yep. then eventually, mm-hmm. like, threw her out of the house because because her, like, baby was sick. And yep. just how, like, she was just, like... Inten- intensely so- just, like, stigmatized. Yeah, treated so badly. But I love that the the women in the community took her underneath her wing and like really encouraged her even though in the back of their mind it's like nobody's marrying this lady however she's part of us like we are going to take care of her and yeah. then eventually bankrupt the cousin because of how he treated her mm-hmm. so they had to move away they had to pack up all their crystals and all their fragrances and move away and how the universe works mm-hmm that store becomes hers and she's able to take care of her babies because the community once again surrounded her. And I love the fact that it was women that said, uh, 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 uh. you're not going to mistreat her like that and think you're going to run your business in our town. That's not going to yeah. happen. I yeah. love that. Definitely a powerful <laughs> moment. Yeah. yeah. And then she got pregnant. Yeah. Was and it, I, Was that the guy that held her down? I don't know. And that too, like I feel like it wasn't... And like maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but I feel like she kind of glossed over that. Like, it was yeah, just like yeah, and then she say. was pregnant. Yeah, she was pregnant. Right, and <laughs> it, it was kind of like disturbing too. How like I think BB didn't want to talk about like what had happened, right. and so in my mind it, it felt you know something bad had happened. Oh yeah, for you it did. Okay, um, but like maybe that that's just me. Um, but mm. that was interesting, and I'm not sure if like Jhumpa Lahiri did that on purpose or yeah or not. I was also just thinking about. It's not told from the perspective of BB, right? And I always kind of, kind of wondered as I read through that. At first glance, definitely like boycotting the store and like forcing him to move out is like a really powerful statement. Mm-hmm. But I also think about how does that also kind of screw over BB in a way because she does kind of, even though they threw her out of the house, she still kind of depended on them right. for housing. Mm-hmm. And you know, the story worked out, which is good. But right. I was thinking about like, what if it hadn't worked out and right. her only form of living <laughs> was right. not there anymore. I don't know um, if the community would have let her go homeless because when they moved, when her cousins moved, they fixed her house up. They came together and they fixed her house up. I thought that was really a powerful story of sisterhood and womanhood, like how folks were coming together. I I thought mm-hmm. it was really, really beautiful that she didn't go without. Like if she didn't have enough food, they brought her some food and they took her out. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, they forced her to like comb her hair. And like, I thought that the story was going to move once again 
into, oh, she she learned to love herself and she loves to think that she's beautiful and she found a hobby that she made into a business, blah, blah, blah. And that's not what happened. That It, was, it yeah. went a completely different direction. So I also believe, I what I loved about this, this collection of short stories is that you could not imagine the ending. You just, like, there was no imagination around it. Like, she took you in one direction for such a long time and then said, well then actually this is what's going to happen, you know? And sort of broadens, for me, it broadened my horizon of what's possible. It doesn't have to always end in this very calculated, like almost foreseeable way, you know? I loved it. I loved it. But I think that it was the final story, the third and final continent, you know, that he was first in India, then he went to Europe, and then he came to the United States. And that's like where he was going to end his life, he was going to continue, like live the rest of his life in in the United States. But I thought it was such a beautiful story from beginning to end. This his own relationship coming to America and like navigating America and like eating cereal every single day, mm-hmm. then meeting Miss Croft and learning about her story. And she sat on a bench, the, all, you know, the entire time, and she said, "Say splendid," and he's like. I don't want to say splendid and looked around <laughs> to make sure that nobody was like nobody else is there with you. And then he would say it, but how he became, he, he came to love her, Miss Croft. Like he came to care about her, to love her, to feel responsible for her. And it was through her that he was able to see his wife differently. I think like mm-hmm. when she said something like she's such a beautiful lady or something, she, he, she said when she saw Mala, they were able to finally share a moment and it literally pivoted their relationship. And he talks about the fact that it was Mala who helped him grieve the death of Miss Croft. And I thought that that was such a beautiful story because he was fairly impatient with her too. Like, oh, she cries because she misses her family and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Like yeah. he, again, he doesn't really get it, right? Because he's yeah. been away from his family for a very long time. But they had that moment and I thought that that was beautiful. The whole book itself, threw me into really thinking deeply about what what it means to be an immigrant and what it means to be in a foreign land and miss your family so much. Be detached from everything that you are and then Mm -hmm. having to be forced to accept everything that is because the only way to really survive it is to accept it on some levels. Mm -hmm. And how hard that is, you know? So any final thoughts? The thing I love about this book, and I think think that's why I love short stories too, because you hear so many different perspectives. Yes. but I really resonated with a lot of the stories about immigration yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. what is mm-hmm. really home for you and, you know, issues in relationships. And very helpful for me, especially when I read it in high school, just coming to terms with my identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any great takeaways? Any, any way that you change as a result of the book? I feel like, you know, I reread the book later, too. And I think mm-hmm. there were things that hit me later on once I matured more. Mm-hmm the way she takes a look at relationships and especially like dysfunctional relationships or relationships that seem dysfunctional, but actually kind of reach some sort of conclusion in the end. Mm -hmm. Definitely a lot with class divisions in India. I think that really made me think because Mm -hmm. when I live in the U.S., it's just a different setting. And Mm -hmm. so reading those stories definitely made me think about that. Mm -hmm. Same here. I think the thing... The shift that I had, first of all, being completely immersed in South Asian culture, just through the description of the the spices and the, the types of knives and things of that sort and the clothing and to just like being part of that whole, the culture. Like I really just, 
I, I don't know. There was something about it. Like I was underlining things and saying like, oh, I want to research this. I want to get to know this whole thing better. And I, I think that she did a great job at sort of positioning India in this story. Like mm-hmm. it's really in the story. I don't think that she's doing like she's not wagging her finger at us in terms of immigration, immigration, um, the immigrant experience. But she's telling their immigrant experience in this beautiful way that I think for me ushered in a very different understanding um, and appreciation for it. So uh, those were my two big takeaways. Thank you, Priya. Thank you. <laughs> so, folks, thank you for joining us on our first episode of Black Feminist and Bookish. We launched monthly subscription. It's called Feminist and Bookish. And for $20, you can get the Feminist Book Club book of the month or you can get a baby feminist book for ages zero to five, or you can get a budding feminist book from five to nine. This is all for $20, taxes and shipping included. Please visit the website, www.cafeconlibrosbk.com slash subscribe, and you'll find it. You can follow, you should follow us on our social media platforms, Cafe Con Libros BK, same thing, Twitter, IG, and Facebook. Thank y'all so much for joining us. And shout out to Claire for producing Black Feminist and Bookish Podcast. Have a great month.